What's good is Chris Isidore from Gators Football, and you guys are on Gator Talk. Hello, Big Blue World. I am going to paint you purple. Raise your mugs and raise your little brown jugs and raise a toast. It's Toast Radio, the voice of Bishop University, making your life a bit more purple. Hi, right, Chris. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good in you. I'm doing good in you. Good stuff. So I, you're a fourth-year student from uh, Montreal? Exactly. So when did you first come to Bishops in 2021? I came to Bishop in 2020, the year of 2020, so pretty much during oh, in the COVID. fall, yeah, yeah, exactly the fall of 2020. So then, when you got here, there was no football, obviously. What was that like? Like coming from Cégep at uh, Saint Lambert, Montreal? Exactly. So then you come here, and then there's no football. So how was that kind of going for you? I'm not gonna lie. It felt like it was a cut in, in one of my goals, or you could say it was a cut in my ambition, because I really came here with, okay, I'm going to start my, not start, but I'm going to play my, I'm going to play uni ball. I'm going to see what the experience is like. I'm going to learn new stuff. I was really hyped to just get into the flow of it, especially I had teammates back at Champlain that then they already went into the winter semester at certain universities. So I was just hyped to get into the flow. And then seeing how it was cut short, it was kind of like, well, what am I doing here? Like, what am I here for? But I guess it kind of gave me a different perspective to look at it because it's like now I got a little bit more time to really prep myself. Like seeing what the level of competition was truly like at university, I was like, okay, this is a year to really like truly get ready for what's to come. Right. It, w- it was like one long uh, mini camp, kind of like one long fall camp, training camp. It was a very long fall training camp. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you find that tr- transition, not only in football, but also like moving away from home and all of that? Like how did you adapt to, to that new change in your in your life if i'm being really honest with you barry barrel my fault it's uh it was a it, it was on disant so it was a shock for me because yeah. i really came from a coddled lifestyle i usually live with my i live with my pops and he really kept me at home so going out was really limited to me you know not much not to say that i didn't have liberty but my liberty was very controlled and moderated by my father so, like, coming here, it was very exciting because, like, okay, I really could just do what I want. Like, I remember the first night I was here, I walked outside at, like, 10 p.m. <laughs> to go to the dip, and I was like, I could really do this. And You could go do wherever. Whatever I want. Whatever you want. Nobody told me nothing. Like, exactly. I could walk home at 11, and I don't got to worry or whatever, you know? But it was also a shock because it's like, okay, I'm really by myself right now. So, it's something that I never really did growing up and living with my father. So, you know, living with my dad, I didn't really go out. I didn't really explore, like, you know, talk to people or, like, get to socialize like that. And then coming here, really being left on your own, really interacting with a lot of other people your age. You see like people willing to talk, people willing to have conversation and everything like that. It was really overwhelming for me at first. And it was just trying to figure out how to maneuver my way through like real socialization. Right. And how, would you say like going to Bishops, which is in like Atlantic Soul, which is a, obviously a lot smaller, smaller than Montreal. Did that make it easier, you think? Or whether you went to stay in Montreal, then moved out on your own or whatever it may be. Do you think the small community at Bishops made that transition easier for you, or it was all the same, you think? To be, uh, it was like the vibe I got from Bishop was a similar vibe at Champlain St. Lambert. So small CJEP, small community, everybody pretty – at some point you get – you pretty much know everybody. You see what I mean? So I think the familiar faces and all helped in a way, but not as much, honestly, because at the end of the day it was just the fact that 
now I'm around a lot of people daily and now I got to interact with a lot of people daily that was many of the factors so I don't think it was being comfortable or anything or like seeing the same faces every day it was just more like me getting out of my head or just being more calm in social interactions and contexts like that so but I can't lie like the fo- being around the guys on the football team often spending a lot of time with them and all really helped to ease me into that it helped me like develop tools or just like telling myself I don't really got to stress to talk to people like that it's we're all just chilling in here for the vibes <laughs> fair enough and what led you to kind of come to bishops right because i'm sure you like there was other possibilities for you to go to and so what kind of led you to, to come here to be honest it was first for the um db coach that we had at the time and he was really i was told that he was very knowledgeable he was very uh like probably one of the best db coaches in canada and i wanted to really develop myself as a db because that's my position in football and i'm not gonna lie i'm american even though i'm living here in canada and, you know, as Americans, we like to get that little, like, away-from-home experience in university. So I was looking for somewhere that I could go that's not too far from home, like, let's say, Ottawa or going to UBC. But it was more like finding somewhere where I know I can go back home for, it'll maybe take me an hour drive to go back home. But I could still be away from home to, like, get that experience, be around new people, be in a new setting, of course, and just really develop myself. Right. So you, you kind of touched on it. Uh, you came here for the defensive backs coach. That was a big uh, factor for you. And then, as we both know, he then left the program. And then there was a new defensive backs coach, uh, Baron Miles, who who came in and took over the defense. And then, again, last year, a new defensive backs mm-hmm. coach again. So how was that, like, that's three defensive coordinators and DB coaches in three years. How how did that affect you and your development in in football? Some people would say, some people would view it like it hindered or it was like there's not a... A stability or consistency in the team. Me, the way I saw it was that it really gave me a lot of different tools. It developed me fully as a DB. So tips and tricks that I got from my first DC and as my first DB coach as well were different from what I got from Baron Miles. But what I got from Baron Miles really taught me was more like knowledge on the football game, was more opening my eyes to what football really is and how you play the game. And now with the current coach that I have, it's more like different techniques, different tool sets that he's giving me to be able to like play within the game so every coach that I had gave me something different that helped me to develop as uh, the DB that I am but I'm not gonna lie it was it was it was it was a roller coaster ride it was like <laughs> okay one from from one to another like what's going on what's gonna happen but it was nothing that I really let me that I really let stress me because at the end of the day you gotta do what you gotta do to be able to play on the field so it was more like taking them as learning experiences what can I get from this coach what can I learn what is coach trying to teach me Right. And then so this past season in 2023, you were the starting boundary corner. And t- take us through that season and how that went for you as your first season as a starter for the whole entire season. So first, I just want to check off my bucket list, uh, play university ball. That's there you go. Done. There you go. Done. Uh, but for real, it was well, it was a hell of an experience because those who know me know that. I guess I worked hard. I really put in what I could to get to that position. But. I don't want it to sound like I don't have the confidence, but I was always hesitant. I was always like, will I ever like really be there? Will I ever get to play? And, you know, being put in that position at first was kind of stressful to me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've been here for about three years, you know, going on to my fourth year is the year that I finally got to play university football. And I'm along a whole bunch of other teammates who then have two, three years of experiences in their baggages of playing against teams like St. FX or Mount Allison. So, you know, it was really like, Will they be able to do, like, can I show them that they can depend on me? Can I show them that they can rely on me, you know? So 
I felt like at the beginning, the first game, of course, against SynFX 2, I really was putting a lot on myself, really trying to like show up and show out. But throughout the season, a lot of a lot of help from my coach as well. So shout out to Coach Poland, just helping me like I would say set my confidence in how I play the DB and how I play the game, giving me the tools and the tricks. And it came out as a better experience than I thought. I like to go back to my tape sometimes and just look at the games that I played and like give myself credit for certain plays or give myself credit for like certain situations that I might have helped out, like let's say the D line or that might have helped out the linebacker or whatever. So it was. It was a learning experience, but it was a great experience for real. Right, and so obviously in 2020, there was no season because of COVID. In 2021, and then you didn't play, correct? Did you dress? In 2021, I didn't dress. I almost got the chance to dress, but after that, it was kind of rectified, you'll say. But no, <laughs> 2021, I didn't really get the chance to dress. It was more of a red shirt, uh, red shirt season for me is what we call it. Right, and then in 2022, you, were, you had the opportunity to dress and and attend all the games and all that but did not see as much playing time as you did last season so it's, it's really been kind of a a long trajectory to get where you're at mm-hmm. now so it's always like i'm i was always almost getting there but i wasn't fully there yet so like in 2022 with baron miles it was really i was put behind um our starting safety at the time jay kelly which was crazy shout out to jay kelly shout out to jay kelly for real winnipeg blue bombers yo <laughs> a stud of a player so it's like i said um I really told myself I have two options. I can really let this get to me and tell myself like, okay, it's just I wasn't I wasn't ready or I wasn't like a good player. I wasn't good enough or like, I, he's not giving me the opportunity that I'm looking for, or whatever. Or I could really tell myself like, okay, if I'm not playing, it's for a certain reason, not necessarily a bad one, but it's to figure out why. And honestly, like with Baron Miles, it started off as a rocky season for me. Like very like, what's going on? Do I really want to keep playing football? I guess I'm really not good to. At the end, I was actually enjoying it because it was like I'm seeing what he's trying to teach me through the game, and I'm starting to understand what he was trying to show me. Yeah, like I was there for the Baron Miles uh, experience, mm-hmm. if we can call it. Um, it was a much different approach than I think what we were used to. Yeah, it was a, it was just completely different, right? It was less restricting. It was a lot more free, and it was just, just go make a play, and you're like, okay, well, how? how right? Exactly. And he was like, I don't know, just do it. And so it's kind of understanding that new approach and kind of. Learning how to learn from him. Exactly. Right? CFL Hall of Famer, coach in the pros. He's back in the pros now with the Red Blacks. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it was a really, really cool opportunity. I think everyone learned a lot from him. But at first, everyone was like, kind of put off by his coaching approach. Because exactly. it was You're skeptical. About it was it night and day from the previous, right? And I think now Coach Poland does a good blend exactly. of the two, yeah. I would say. Like he, he, he gives you tools for your tool bag, but he also lets you see the game and play the game yeah, he, gives you, he gives you the opportunity to explore with it and pretty much experiment with your tools you know he'll never be like just do this and stick to this whole throughout the game he'll like yo why don't you try out this how about you see how this goes and if it, we both notice that it doesn't work all right we'll just stop doing that we'll keep it for another game and what i enjoy is that the tools he gives you is never like okay it's not working forget it it's always like okay we're not there yet so we'll save it for another game or we'll save it right. for a better opportunity or better situation like we we're not there, so we're going to have to keep on practicing, perfecting it so that we can finally use it in any type of situation that we want. Right. So take us back to your first experience with football. Like, what was your first introduction to uh, to football? Yo, my first introduction to football was so funny. Like, so this is the story. <laughs> I, used to hate, I used to play football when I was a kid. I was seven years old, and I used to hate it. Like, I just hated having to hit people, getting hit. I didn't understand none of the plays. I remember at some point, my coach finally let me play the, in the playoff games, and we had this... Pretty much, I was a D line, and we had to do this stunt. You're playing D line. I played D line. Wow. I was a little chubby kid back then. 
And we had a stunt that we wanted to do, but I never understood what stunt meant. And so the game went, and I was just, I just stood up and looked at the coach and like, what do I do? And he was like, are you serious? Like, go for the ball, go for the ball. But I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. The game's going on, and you just have the little kids standing in the middle of the field asking the coach, like, what do I do, coach? What do I do? Oh, man. So I believe that coach took me out real quick. And ever, then, ever since then, I kind of like left football. I actually left the world of sports, you could say. Okay. And then it was really like my last year of high school. Uh, I met this dude. I have to give a shout out to him, Andrew, Robert Angel. And it was really like during the summer, we would just go out do little trainings because we had nothing else to do with like four, 15, 16 year old kids just trying to find ways to spend our energy. We would just go on the field next to um, where we live. We would just run track, just do push-ups and stuff like that. And he used to play football and he noticed like, he's like, you know, you seem to be like a little pretty athletic guy. Why don't you just come try football and see what it's like? At first I was hesitant because I'm like, you know, pretty boy like me, I don't want to get hit. I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> and that was going into your last year of high school? Exactly, my okay. last year of high school. So like, I started football very late. If yeah. you think about it, I was—I think I was 17 when I started, 16 going out to 17 when I started it. I was in Sec 5 also. So we were training the summer of Sec 4. We were just training and all. He said, come try out for football. I was like, you know what? I have nothing else to do. It'd be fun. Why not? Went to football, and I'll never forget, like, the first lick that I got, that kind of shit. <laughs> he always told me this. He said, look, come to football. Take your first hit. If you don't like it, you'll stop. You, you know after that first right? hit, you, you know, know after first hit, is not for me. I'm out of here. And do I like to get hit or do I not like to get hit? And after that, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to try it out. We had a little uh, what we call Oklahoma drill. And the, Man, I those was, are illegal now. Yo, illegal, <laughs> literally, and we know why. And I was running back at the time. I was playing running back at the time, and I was going against one of our top D-line, um, one of our top linebackers. And I tried to shift them. Like, I'm just running straight. I'm trying to shift them. And I see a little opening, and I jump to make it through. And I'm seeing, like, stars. I'm like, I'm I'm him. I'm, I'm about to get this little tubby. It's going to be cool. Bow! Hit right in the hip. He sent me flying, like, at least five yards, you know? And then I get up, and everybody's just hyped. My coach is yelling, like, woo! You know, oh, you were that guy that, that yo, was on the other end of the... And I mean, uh, you just got your first hit. And I got up, and I'm like, yeah! I look on the side, and I'm bleeding from... <laughs> like, I'm just bleeding. I, I think I got, like, a turban or whatever, and I was bleeding deeply. But I didn't even care at that point. I was like, okay, this is what it's like to get hit. And, no, I got into football ever since. So then right after you go to uh, St. Lambert, were you recruited, or you kind of just, like, walked on and showed up to the program? I was like, oh, I, can I play here? And, okay. like, what was that process? So uh, I only got recruited from uh, for to play at Edouard Mopiti, and it was the CJ right next to my high school mm. where I played, which is Jacques Rousseau. And like I said, I started football pretty much my last year of high school. So coaches already knew who pretty much who they were coming for. But Edouard really liked to get the guys from um, Jacques Rousseau because it was an easy recruiting pool. Right, it's next door, right? right? Next door. And the coach, like, once again, I ran fast. And the guys were like, you know what, let's give them a try. But I sucked at French. So I kind of failed the, my last year in French in high school. And that kind of really sent me on a whole different trajectory. Because I always thought I could only go to Edouard. I couldn't really go to any other CJ. That was kind of locked in for you yeah, from a you know, young that age. Was, that was that's the only place I could go. That was go. the place to go, and that's that. With my grades and everything, that's what I always what I was told. So I'm like, I'm gonna go to Champlain, uh, to Edouard. But then, failing the high school, failing high school in French and everything, having to go do like a Tremplin deck is what you call it to to get that uh, French class. I attempted to go to Champlain, Saint Lambert. I saw that they had a football team. It was in English, and I'm like, for at this point, I'm done with French. I'm just gonna go study in English. I apply at Champlain. Oh, yeah. I applied at <laughs> Champlain. Got accepted to Champlain. I walked on. I talked to the coach, who's really, like, a close guy to me to this day. Shout out to Coach Sean. And I just talked to him. He's like, you know, come try it out. At the time, it was um, Coach Seb Deschamps, who's the head coach of um, St. Heisen right now. Okay. Uh, I went. He, once again, 
at that point, they were really just accepting guys here and there because it was a D3 school. You feel me? So if you had a minimum of athletic ability, you seem to have a somewhat knowledge of football. Why not? Why not? And so that's how I pretty much got into Champlain St. Lambert. Okay. And what was... And you were there for, what, three years? Three years, exactly. And how'd that go, like, year, year by year? Oh, wow. It's always been a love-hate relationship with football. I remember my first year, I hated it because I really wanted to play, and I didn't get any reps at like star uh, as at a starting position but I was on special teams shout out to being fast and all and the head the DB coach I had at the time I didn't really like like him like that I didn't really mess with him so it was a very like rocky relationship with football at the time I didn't really commit myself to football at the same at the same time so it was on and off sometimes I made practice for work or just to go see my girlfriend that I had at the time no okay. shame in saying it I was having trouble with the coach as well the DB coach I had at the time and then like I really told to myself, yo, you either lock in completely with football or you just let it go. And so the off season of, um, I think it was 2018, like I really went hard Man, into it. It feels like forever yo, ago, bro. Like it was a while <laughs> ago. I just went hard into it, you know, and it's like um, I, I developed bonds with these tight guys, you know, and we all, we were about five, six, seven of us. We would just start to go to the weight room all together. We started to develop a routine of getting up early in the morning to go into to the weight room. Just getting strong, getting fast, and I felt like through Champlain, they really taught me what it was to be an athlete or to be a student athlete. It brought to me a certain discipline, a certain understanding that, yo, if you want to play and if you want to get what you want in football, you got to work for it. Like, it doesn't come and it's not given, even if it's a Division three school. So, it was a pretty good journey. Like, first year was tough. Second year, I actually started to take reps, started to play at um, field half because we had nobody there so dude field half is the worst position to play on defense ever especially at like so hard <laughs> a 155 pound uh db going oh, against yeah. like i've been there door yeah. oh yeah <laughs> we know so i was at field half and you know i i really it was just whatever i could do to play and then my last year i finally was at the position that i love boundary corner mm. and i got to play against one of my one of my best friends so Tomar rafael who's playing at um the guild right now and yo we had a we had a fun season, bro. Like we were just having fun with it. I was locked in. I was that was I felt at my element as boundary corner. So it started off tough, but it finished off it finished off pretty well. Yeah. And then you got obviously you came to Bishops after that. When you started playing football, did you ever even imagine playing university football for, for four years and being part of this whole journey or it was kind of just, oh, sure, I'll do it with my friends and For real, I just started football for the fun of it. I was yeah. like, it's my last year of high school. Why not just have the little football swagger and say I could play football? But then after that, it's like, I don't know, it kind of it kind of built something in me where it was like a kind of hunger for like, okay, well, I can actually do more. Like, I can actually get more out of this. Like, I can I can find a way to run faster. I can find a way to get stronger. I can find a way to perfect it. It's almost like an art, you know? And so I never, I always tell people I didn't really expect to go and play university ball. But once I got to my second, third year of CJEP, I saw that it was a possibility, you know, mm -hmm. like people started to breathe it into me and I started to actually believe in it. Like I could actually go and play uni ball. So what I tell people is I never really tried to aim to go professional or go to CFL or whatever. My main goal was always like, I just want to play one uni football game. Like I just for once to play a university game as a football player. So th that kind of leads me to my next point for you. Um, so now that, you know, you you spent the season starting last year, uh, the team went six and two, pretty su successful season by all means. What's the next step? What's what's next for, for for the team and for you? Like, what's your your, your next goal now? For football? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for being honest, it's like one and only goal is yo. We're winning this Loney and we're going up to the next step, and we're going up against Western. So that's that's solely what we're yeah, aiming for right now. Yeah, because the AUS is hosting. Exactly. Oh, hosting, we're hosting it too. Hosting the the, the 
the semifinal against the OUA oh, right. next season. Okay, so I'm manifesting it right now that we will be the ones hosting it, and we're going to need everybody to show up and show off for that Western game. Yeah, so mark your calendars. Uh, today is uh, Wednesday, February 21st, mm-hmm. 2024. Mark your calendars for sometime in November. Sometime in November, because we're going there. Like, there's there we nothing. go. After the season we had last year, especially after the season we had last year, I felt like it kind of solidified the guys, it solidified the team as well. We kind of understand like who we are as a team, what our identity is, and where we're trying to go, what we're aiming for. I feel like the guys are more locked in with the vision that Coach Sheep is bringing to this team, and they're locked in with the culture as well that he's trying to install. And I really enjoy that. I really like that. And so for the next season, I'm telling y'all, that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming for Looney, and we're going to Looney, and we're winning that, and we're hosting them. Like There's no mm. other option. There's no other choice. There we and go. So that's it. So I see the guys putting in work. I see the guys really dedicating themselves to it. And like, I see I see it in their eyes, the belief that, yo, we we're beating we're, we're close, yeah. We're close and we're beating. It's not like we're close anymore. It's like, no, the intent is to beat Cinefix. There's no more we're getting there or we're almost there. It's like, no, nah, right now we're there and this is, what we're, this is what we're about to do and this is what we will do. So that's what I'm seeing from the team and that's what I'm, where I see us aiming for next season. Man, it's crazy because this is an audio-only podcast, but if you guys could see Chris's face right <laughs> now, he is fired up, guys. He's, he's locked oh, in, I can tell. I guess it's getting real. me excited. Um, so you kind of touched on culture with team culture, but I also had a few um, questions for you regarding Black History Month because today uh, we, we are in February, which is Black History Month. So what does Black History, History Month mean to you as a... For real, as a black student athlete, especially here at Bishops, if I'm giving a general view of what Black History Month is to me, it's the month where we get to highlight and really put into light black excellency. So mm-hmm. not just black figures all around, you know, not just the typical Martin Luther King, Michael Jackson, and Malcolm X, and all that, but it's really to highlight what it is to be black and what it is black excellency. So to see what people accomplish, whether it's the past, present, and to see, like, to breathe life into black folks all over, to let them know, like, yo, you can do these things, you can accomplish great things, and, like, there's nothing really to stop you. So it's just a month to highlight the excellency that blackness has brought, is bringing... And what would you say, like, having a... Haitian heritage, what what role does that play in your life day to day? My days. Haiti, chérie, la terre des Antilles. Yo, la terre des Antilles is what we say. But for real, being Haitian is, yo, shout out to my zoos. It's a blessing. It's a blessing, a blessing, a blessing. It's a rich culture. It's a rich country, diversified in so many ways. And, yo, every day I wake up and it's like you have a flame inside of you. It's like Haitians are known for their pride in their country. And Haitians are known for their pride in themselves. And it's like, yo, you can't mess with a Haitian, bro. <laughs> like, we'll be peaceful. You'll, sh- we'll see, you'll see that we're calm and all. But at the end of the day, you do not mess with a Haitian. And we're known for that. And we'll make sure that you know you don't mess with a Haitian. So I think it's, it's a blessing because a lot comes with being a Haitian. There's a lot of hardship that comes with being with a Haitian. There's a lot of challenges that you face. There's a lot of things that you see in life that you deal with in life. And it, it shows you like what it is to be resilient. It shows you what it is to be disciplined. It shows you what it is to like work for what you want. And like I said, I see that through my parents. I see that through my surroundings. And yeah, being Haitian is really yo. You work hard for what you want. You go get what you want. And there's nothing that's gonna stop you from getting what you want. There you go. Just like starting a the a football game for the Gators. Right. Pretty much for real. So how have you experienced Black History Month uh, recently? How's that been for you? Oh, I got the chance to be part of the um, SRC committee this year to organize activities for Black History Month. So we've been trying to organize um, movies, to set movies around um, Nichols 4, just around the school for students to watch. We've been trying to organize a 
book giveaway. So kids, um, students can sign up at these uh, kiosks around school to, in order to win a book on black uh, authors or just, you know, the theme is pretty much black excellence. And if I'm being honest, what this whole, like being part of this committee, working with um, the SRC and other students as well to organize Black History Month has really shown me that it's really great to have these committees reach out to us, reach out to a student like me as well, to have my input, to have my opinion, or just, you know, my ideas, because they really take in the ideas that I bring to make Black History Month a really cool month for us. And I feel like schools, universities, committees and all should really look into incorporating students into this month, incorporating black students, trying to get their input, trying to get their opinion, or just find ways to have them participate as well, to create activities, to bring about just new ways to highlight black excellence. And I feel like, not that there's a lack of student interaction with Black History Month, but I feel like we could increase or promote more student interaction. So really go to the students, take the time to approach the students, see what they would want for Black History Month, how what would they would like to see, what activities they would like to be done, how they can help to participate in it, or just partake in, you know, organizing the whole month to truly, like, give the students an experience and give the students, like, this sense that they're really partaking in it and they're really developing in themselves black excellence. So that's what I got to say. Yeah, and I feel that adds, like, an, an organic aspect to it, right, that it's coming from you guys and that it's, it's what you guys want to see, right? Exactly, and it's really, like, what we're trying to highlight, what we're trying to bring, you know? Mm-hmm, so for sure. I feel like it would be great just to, you know, once again, have student, have more student interactions with this month more black students as well just take their opinion on it see what they would like to do see what they would like to have what they would like to see and just find ways to encourage them to really participate in activities in this month to really come and interact with it because once again we're trying to highlight black excellence that's the whole that's the whole idea behind it so if you had one one piece of advice for young black athletes in in your community what what would that be if you one, one take-home message for, uh, for for young black athletes today I think the piece of advice that I'll give to uh Young Black Athletes, and it's a quote that I saw recently, is we're not here to exist, we're here to live. And I think that's something that I learned, at, that I developed at Bishop, is that enjoy life. Like, enjoy it to the fullest, because I've seen situations where, bro, it could be your last moment at any time. It could be your last moment for anything, for the things that you love the most, and it's really, yo, embrace it, enjoy it, and just live with it. Like, I remember here, coming here, I used to dread going to practice. I used to really be like, oh, it's going to be another long practice doing a whole bunch of, like, scouts and special teams and running and this and that. But, like, as I'm getting closer to, like, yo, potentially playing my last football, playing football for the last year of my life, I'm really like, okay, I love this game. And I really enjoy the game. I enjoy the moments that I spend, whether it's good or bad. I enjoy every moment of football. And it's really to take the time to embrace it, to enjoy it. Because when you enjoy something, it's not it's not a chore, it's not a task, it's not work. It's just your lifestyle and it's fun. So that's what I would say. That's deep, man. Thank you. <laughs> so this guy's deep. So if you made it this far into the podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you very much for being here today, Chris. Uh, thank, thank you for having me and thank you for hosting me. My pleasure. And of course, if you guys have any recommendations for the show or want to be featured on, featured on the show, feel free to send Toast Radio a DM on Instagram and we will get in touch. Thank you, Gators. Have a great week. We out.